Sunday. So, years ago, I had the privilege of preaching at a conference. It was probably like the biggest conference I ever had the privilege of speaking at. And so, I got up early in the morning. We were staying in a hotel with the family. I got up real early in the morning. And I wanted to do a really good job, so I decided that I would um, look over my notes and kind of rework things and make sure I had everything just right. But I'm used to drinking coffee in the morning, just one cup, just one very large cup. And, and, and uh, I'm used to drinking coffee. I, I can quit anytime I want to, um, but, I, but I don't. And so I, I said to uh, my son, Chuck, I said, hey, Chuck, I said, He's a pretty new driver then. And I said, why don't you go get us a couple of cups of coffee at Starbucks? And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Now, he's a really social kid, so it didn't surprise me that he didn't come back right away because he always gets involved in conversations with people. And, but it was just odd how long he was gone. And I, I kept thinking, uh, I, I'm sure looking forward to drinking my cup of coffee. I can do without anytime I want to. And um, he didn't come back and he didn't come and after a while I, I i i felt sort of irritated like where is that kid and my coffee and but i was speaking at a family conference so i didn't want to get testy with the family because that would be weird and finally after a really long time i hear the door open and chuck walks in and he's got two cups um and he's looking really sad and he said Dad, I, I'm sorry, but I spilled your coffee. He said, I got all the way here, and I was just closing the door on the van, and, and it knocked your coffee out of my hand, and it, and it spilled. And I said, did it all spill? And he said, yeah. I go, every drop? And he said, yeah. I says, can I, can I see the cup? And I, and I looked in the cup, and it was just completely empty. And, and then I... I uh, you ever have that sense that God is speaking to you even when he's not speaking audibly? It was that gracious sense of like, be careful what you say to Chuck right now, even though he spilled your coffee that you were really looking forward to. And he says, Dad, I am, I am so sorry. I, I know you really wanted that coffee this morning. And then I heard myself saying, Chuck, that doesn't matter at all. I'm perfectly happy to go without coffee today. It's not a big deal. I love you so much. And he looked and was, he had looked such, had such, a, such a serious look on his face and then when I said that, it just like the sun came out and he smiled and that was good. Because about an hour later we went over to the conference center and the first speaker was a guy whose books I've read, a guy named Gary Smalley. And Gary Smalley wrote his gorgeous book called The Key to Your Child's Heart. And Lois and I read that book years ago, and I, I believed what he said was so important. I really loved that book and the biblical ideas in it, and I used it. Lois and I used that to just cherish all eight of our kids' hearts and be careful with them. And Gary Smalley was speaking in that session that morning, and I'm going to share with you some of what he said that morning. But his message was called, uh, this message was called The Gift of Honor. He talked that morning about, and of course, Gary Smalley is with the Lord now, um, and he was an expert at communicating to people about how to build better relationships, how to build strong 
relationships. And today, it's Father's Day. It's a really important day for me. I like Father's Day. It's like Christmas to me. Big deal. And uh, that was an attempt at humor, if you didn't recognize that. I like Father's Day. I have a good dad. I've got sons who are dads. I get to be a dad myself. So I want to share with you something that I think will be really helpful for all of you, maybe with a special emphasis to those of you who are men, but for all of you, you'll find that learning this powerful thing, the power of honor, the scriptures say there in Romans 12, in the local church, we ought to outdo each other. We ought to try to outdo each other in showing honor. I want to give you a, a strong, show you a strong biblical basis for the importance and the power of honor in building good relationships. And I'm going to give you a series of passages kind of quickly. If you want these, you can send me an email. I'll send them back if you can't get them all written down and you'd like them. But honor is powerful and important in the scriptures tell about in all the different relationships of life, honor is important. And we're going to express what honor is, is primarily attaching a high value to people. But Primary, but, but honor is a powerful thing in the home. The Bible says that a marriage itself is to be honored. In Hebrews 13 and 4, let marriage be held in honor among our valued highly. A husband, the Bible says very specifically, repeatedly in different ways, but specifically in 1 Peter, that a husband shall show honor to his wife, show high value to his wife. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Showing honor to the woman. This is a command of the Bible. The Bible also implies that wives should honor their husbands, like in Ephesians 5.33. There's a beautiful passage there. Let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that, see that she respects her husband. Scriptures teach that that Husbands should be shown honor. Wives should be shown honor. What's the fifth commandment? Ah, uh, you got it. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother is the fifth commandment. It's, the, it's one of God's top ten. It's the fifth commandment to, uh, to show honor. This is also true. Honor is really important in the church, not only in the home and in marriage, but in the church. The scriptures say in 1 Timothy 5 and 17, elders should be treated with honor. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. One of the reasons why that's important is because they preach and teach. People that you love and you want to be influenced by preaching and teaching, if you show them honor, then the people, like, 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 listen to what he's saying. This is important. Then the people that you love will be benefited by the people that you showed honor to. I've seen this an awful lot. The Bible teaches this in First Timothy. Also, the Bible teaches that we should show honor to every single person. This is Romans 12, uh, 10 passage. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor to each other. The Bible says in First Peter, honor everyone. Honor Everyone. Who should you honor? Everyone should be treated with high value. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king or honor the emperor. The most, and the Bible teaches this, that the most common man or the most common woman, the common person in the church, the person that you would not maybe give a high profile to 
or the person that maybe doesn't make the most noise or have the most money, power, or privilege should be shown special honor. Listen to this. And those parts, this is from uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. This is in the context of people all have a spiritual, the Spirit of God, if believers are all possessed by the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit in them, and they have spiritual gifts, and so this is one of the reasons, along with them just being human, but one of the reasons that Paul gives to show honor to even the most common person with the most kind of quiet or out-of-the-way gift, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. It's, I think I said 2 Corinthians, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The, the scriptures teach that that moms and dads should be honored, that the aged, and we're going to get to that, should be honored. The, Jesus taught that children should be shown honor. Remember, remember what he said? He said, if you, if, you, if you offend one of these little ones, it would be what? Better if you had a millstone hanged around your neck and you'd be drowned in the sea. That's pretty straightforward language, wouldn't you say? Is this important to Jesus that we show honor to little people? Absolutely. Absolutely. So think of the beauty of that. He's saying the simplest person among you should be honored. The king should be honored. Mom should be honored. Dad should be honored. Kids should be honored. The agent should be honored. The leaders should be honored. The followers should be honored. Everyone should outdo each other in showing honor. Is it, can I ask you a question? Is honor important in the Bible? Well, obviously it is. So it's, it's, it's worthwhile that we talk about this relational skill, if you will, this power tool for building relationships. I, I like this. The older I get, the more I like this. Leviticus 19.32 says, You shall stand up before the gray head, honor the face of an old man, fear your God. I am the Lord. We had some friends years ago, Amish believers. They were solid people. Yoder was their name. And they were just, they're dear, dear friends. And we went to visit them. And there's something I noticed in that home. Whenever I would go over to that home, and this often happens as a pastor, doesn't always, but often happens as a pastor. But I would go over to their home, and, and they had a large family, and they were busy, hardworking people. They were farmers. But when I visited their home, everybody stopped what they're doing, and all the children came in the room, and they just sat and listened. My brother Kevin... My little brother, Kevin, seven years younger than me, has an adorable family, precious family. I always remember when I, when big brother Kenny, who was really a pain in the rear, would come and visit little brother Kevin, he would, all of the family would come into the room and they would just sit and they would listen. They would show me honor. And I would always try to act in an honorable way because I realized he's taught his children that when Uncle Ken comes around, it's kind of special. And uh, so that gave me a good reputation to live up to. In the home, honor is a power tool. In the church, honor is, a, if you will, is a power tool. It's a command of the Bible. Everywhere, anywhere in the world it's true. I, I watched a, a Netflix uh, a documentary <clears throat> this week. I don't recommend the theology of it. The guy was, the, didn't know the Lord yet, but, but it was fascinating to watch the guy had a theory that people all around the world would be kind 
And so he has this thing called the Kindness Diaries. He got a little yellow motorcycle, and he rode it all the way around the world, except for the oceans. He kind of flew over the oceans and took ships and so forth. But he went all the way around the world in this yellow motorcycle, and he never bought a meal, and he never paid for lodging, and he never bought gas for himself. He just depended entirely on the kindness of other people. And what was fascinating was that mostly the people that shared with him were the people that had the least to share. But all around the world, people would show him honor. And he would show them honor. Honor is something that is beyond culture and uh, it transcends language and culture. And that's why the Bible talks about it. The Bible says that we should show honor to our employers, whether they're there or not. They should be worthy of all honor. Verse Timothy 6. And of course, the king and the common man, honor everyone. I'm repeating 1 Peter 2. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king or honor the emperor. And then the Bible teaches that God himself shows honor to people. And if God can bestow honor on people, we should be able to. So, so I'm, I'm building a biblical case, right? You got that. If anyone serves me, Jesus said in John 12, 26, my father will honor him. And in Psalm 91, 14 and 15, because he's loved me, I'll rescue him. I will honor him. God is not above showing honor to human beings. And this is a very powerful thing to know about, about people. You think about one of the statements in the Bible about who, who, what is man? Remember this, what is, where is this found? What is man that you are mindful of him? Somebody tell me. Psalm 8, right. What is man? It's not fair if you're a pastor, you can't answer these questions. Yeah, Psalm 8. I'm sorry, Leo. I, I need to show honor to you, don't I? I like, let's show honor. Um, so, um, Psalm 8, and that is um, God uh, says, what is, you know, in the Bible, what is man that you're mindful of him? And then he says, this is powerful. You made him a little lower than Elohim, and you crowned him with glory and honor. That guy you cut off in traffic? <laughs> he's to be honored crowned that's a word up with glory and honor God is on him the, the, the reflection of God glory is on every human being even, even if they don't know the Lord they're created by God crowned with glory and honor this is a huge statement of humanity it's encouraging to think I am valued by God but other people are valued by God, and if God values them, and if he honors them, then I should honor them. This is a very powerful thing. Showing honor is a very powerful thing, and we're talking here about building relationships. So what I want to do today is I want to share with you, and I am borrowing a bit from Gary Smalley, and so this will be a better than average message right now. Um, borrowing a bit from some ideas that he gave me, I want to share with you the three things that you can do. How do you show honor to people in relationships, and, and I have this, uh, make up your mind to do it. So it's very simple. When you make up your mind, this is a very profound thing. It may not seem profound, but it really is. You can decide, I am going to place honor. I'm going to decide to put honor on that person. And this is what God has deci decided to do. Do you see my little, I brought a little, can you tell what this is? It's a little glass jar of relatively unremarkable marbles. I have not lost my marbles. They're right here. <laughs> see those? Can you see that? They're, they're just little... They're, they're, not even, they're not even perfect. If you could look really close, they have little... All of them, they're little green marbles, and all of them have flaws in them. They're flawed marbles. Why am I showing you my jar of flawed green marbles? Well, here's why. 
My grandfather, Kenneth Dale Pierpont, worked at Owens Corning Fiberglass. He was a bivocational pastor and a farmer and a factory laborer. He worked really, really hard. One of the things that he could do is he could gather up these little glass balls that looked like marbles off the floor of the factory and take them home. Knowing his grandchildren would be coming over to play, to visit, he would take them out and he would, he would sow them in the driveway. He'd throw them in the dirt in the dirt and gravel driveway so that when we would come over, we would go around and we would gather up these marbles, which if we took them back to Grand Rapids to school and you played marbles with others, they were kind of valuable because they were unique and unusual. You know, you see, so to you, they're just little green balls of glass, but I, I, I got these marbles because they, they remind me of the ones that my grandpa brought home. They have a, a attached a value to them. I just... So I keep them, and I keep them in my jar, and I think about my, my grandpa who's been with the Lord since 1980. And I remember him wanting to make a little boy happy when he came to visit the farm. I have, these, are, these have a value to me. Look at this old book. It doesn't look very valuable, does it? It's not even, it's kind of worn. It's just a book. As a matter of fact, there's a newer version of this. There's a newer edition. This is Christianity Through the Ages. Through the centuries, it's a it's a Christian it's a church history book, and it's not obviously in very good shape. But it's valuable to me. Um, if you open it up and you look inside, it it has the name Ken Pierpont in it. It says K. F. Pierpont, Cedarville College, September of 1958. I was born in November of 1958 while my dad was reading this book. My dad was a student at Cedarville College. He's reading this book. They didn't let guys in on the birth back then. My dad said, he closed this book and the doctor came out with me in his arms and says, you have an heir. You have a son. This is the book my dad was reading when I was born. You can't have this book. <laughs> Unless you're willing to give me a large amount of money. I mean, it's not, it's not infinitely valuable, but it's valuable to me. Because, now to you, this book doesn't have the same, but I've attached a value to this. Like, the, the truth of the matter is, my little brother Nathan got this, the, the, the favorite. Nathan the favorite. He got this. My, my little brother Nathan the favorite, we call him. And I actually had to threaten him with physical harm to get it back from him. Had value. Well, not really, but I did have to remind him, and I had to give him, you know, reparations and other things to get the, this in my library, which should have been, don't you agree? This should have been in my library anyway from the very beginning. I, I, I decided to attach value. Imagine I had a baseball. Imagine I have a baseball here today. And imagine I just, like, picked it up from Meyer, and I said, hey, I have a baseball, and we're going to have a baseball auction. What, what would you bid? If I had a baseball auction, what would you bid for a baseball? Can I get a bid? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> anybody, would anybody bid anything for this baseball that I bought? Yeah, $2. Neil is going to give me two. Thank you, Neil. Your help, I can tell what you're doing. You're, you're feeling bad for me right now, and you're trying to help me, and I appreciate that. You're a good guy. Uh, $2. Now, what if I said, just fantasize with me. What if I said, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you, this is the baseball that Hank Aaron hit. This is 715. This is the one that he hit out there in Atlanta when he 
when he bested Babe Ruth's home run uh, uh, record. Now can I get a bid? Yeah, if you had any sense at all, you would probably say, yeah, I'll give you some money, because why? This is but it's physically the same thing, but it has a value attached to it. Now, I've, I've kind of overdone this, but like, think about this. Has God put a value on human beings? He's put a high value on human beings. So wouldn't it be Christ-like if you would decide to put a high value on the people in your relationship? Just make the decision, I will show honor. There are people I am going to show honor to. And, and of course, there, there, are, there are levels of this. You don't have unlimited resources, and you don't have unlimited time, but you can choose. Like, I have decided that I will show you honor. I have a friend who lives here in town. His name's Alan Miracle. Alan and his wife and Lois and I go way, way back. Years ago, we went to a conference, and at the conference, we took a lunch break, and at the, it was at Coba Hall. And you remember this, Lois? We were sitting at the river, and we were just young people, and we were talking about the conference, and while we were there, we decided that if God would allow us to have big families and raise them for the Lord, that if he would do that, we would have big families. This was mostly a commitment on the girls' part, as you can imagine, but the men obviously had to work hard to provide and train those kids. That Miracle family and the Pierpont family, when we were just like couples, we decided together that's what we're going to do. The Miracles live here in town, and I really love them. And every time, you know, God in his providence sent me to Pastor and Jackson, and they have this large family of kids. You see, uh, Ethan is actually here in our church, but he's probably not here today because I think he probably with his dad, honoring his dad. But whenever I see one of those kids, I pay special attention to them because I remember when their mom and dad believed God for them. I like to say, around Jackson, I see a miracle almost every day. <laughs> they really do, especially at Target. Go to Target. One day I was at Target, I saw one of the miracle girls, and I spoke to her for a minute. Then I went to the next two or three aisles. There was another one. And two or three aisles, there was mom. I go, do you realize half your family is here? And she said, I didn't know that. I go, you really ought to get, you know, check, check in with each other. <laughs> I, just, I just made up my mind. If I get around one of the miracle kids, they're very special to me. I am committed to encouraging them. I made up my mind. I'm going to show Alan Miracle's kids honor. Can I tell you another little secret? I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but you know that a, a couple years ago, our family got hurt real bad. And um, that happens with the best people, right? So not bitter about that. And I always wondered, will I ever get to be a pastor again? Because there are actually people that were actively working to discourage me from ever being a pastor again. And you guys invited me here. And Lois and I, we made up our mind. If those people call us to be their pastor... We're going to surprise them with how much honor we give them. I made up my mind. This is my church. These are my people. I'm going to pour my life into them. It's just what I'm going to do. It's a decision that I made. This is a beautiful thing that you can do, and you certainly should decide to honor your wife. And you certainly should decide to honor your husband and your children. You should find people, a widow or an older man, a widower or, or a person without much 
and just say, you know what? I am going to show them special honor. This is a decision uh, that you can make. Now, the second thing that you do, so first of all, you just decide this, and it's important. This is a decision. The second thing, then, is you, you uh, here, the way I would suggest is this. I want to, I want to describe to you what we're talking about here. We're going to talk here about making a list of good things about the one you want to honor. But but let's, let's, do, let's, let's talk about the opposite first. The Apostle Paul often uses this approach. The opposite uh, first. For instance, have you ever been irritated with somebody and you kept a list of the things they did to irritate you? Like some of you are going, yeah, brother, I'm doing that right now with you. Like you are irritating me right now. Well, you ever have that happen? Maybe, you know, often that's the person closest to you because you see their, right? And you marry, marry somebody that's the opposite of you. And, and like when we first got married, I, I, I love to listen to crickets at night. In the summer, open the window, listen to crickets. My wife likes to sleep with an industrial strength fan blowing like you're in front of a jet engine every single night. <laughs> it's really weird. You know, it's like we can't listen to the crickets because it sounds like I'm sleeping in front of a jet engine, so we're sort of different, you know. So my, 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 my wife frequently tells me, I mean, just saying how irritating I am, how, how many irritating things I do, she, which irritates me, her, her telling me that. So, you know, we, we have this, and you have this. Don't, don't act all pious about it, because you do this too, right? The people that you're, so you have a list, right? How many of you, raise your hand if this is true, you have a list of with some people, just a list of things that irritate you. Raise your hand. Okay. You're lying. That irritates me. You know, like, <laughs> you're in church, and you're lying. Okay, but seriously, but, okay, so now just imagine the opposite of that. Imagine that you decide, I am going to show honor to this person, this son of mine, this wife of mine. I could list things that are, that are not desirable about them, but I have decided to show them honor so I'm going to make a different list. Every time I catch them doing something good or right or that I like, I am going to put that on my list. Maybe even I'm going to bind it in a leather book and literally make a list. I, I, my wife is loyal. She is loyal. If I'm in a dog fight, I want her to be with me. She's going to hurt somebody. It's going to be fun to watch. Seriously. She also can hurt me, but we're, we're not talking about that today. It's like, this just like, if you mess with one of the kids, I'm just not going to promise you you're going to end up alive after that. You know, well, she's loyal. I'm just saying she's loyal. I'm sure you, that's quality. She, I don't want to embarrass her today, because that wouldn't be showing her honor, but she works really hard. She's like, she's got a thing she plays, and she likes to do things, but she gets on a thing to work, and she just works. She's just got this work gene in her. Which is kind of cool because I have the talk gene and she has the work gene. And, and, and so the kids, like we always pray, you know, I hope they look like their mother and they, and they work, you know, like their mother. And, and some of them do, and some of them got the talk gene and they're doing all right. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I said, so I, on her list, it'd be like, she, they turn her loose on a given day, she'll wash every window in the house and, and mop and clean and organize. And she's always doing something. She's always making something. She's always selling something. She's got, you know, a little entrepreneurial bent. I want to make this embarrassing for her. But I'm just saying, so for her, I could list things that maybe irritate me. She wants to sleep with a fan on at night. She roots for the wrong team. You know, stuff like that. Or, or I could say, hey, I, this is what I think about all day. I have a beautiful, loyal, faithful wife. 40 years she put up with me. Almost 40 years. We've almost made 40 years. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, like fishing for... But, okay, so what, what, here, have you ever noticed this? 
if you all day think about the list of bad things, guess what's going to happen? It, you are going to communicate that. It's going to come out. It's going to slip out. What you think about is going to slip out. Bible says that's why we're to speak. This is Philippians 4 and 8, that we're to always be thinking about things that are good and honorable. There's power in that. I can choose to think about the list of bad things that I can find about anybody. Or if I'm going to honor somebody, though, I need to decide, number one. And number two, I need to meditate. I need to think about things that they do that are honorable. Gary Smalley was saying that he and his wife went to Hawaii, and he's an early riser. His wife wanted to sleep in. He said she had wanted to sleep in until 7 o'clock a.m., and he got up at sunrise, and he was all excited about the sunrise, so he came back into his wife's room, and he said to her, you need to get up right away. See the sunrise? She said, you woke me up. I was going to sleep until 7. Didn't I tell you that? And he goes, oh, come on. You know, we're not in Hawaii every day. He pulled the covers off of her. Uh, and that didn't go well. And then he said, this is kind of unbelievable, but he said, then he took her by the legs and started to pull her out of bed. I am not recommending this behavior at all. You know, it's like, started to pull her out of bed. She was not happy with him. Seriously, they had a, an argument about it. And he was in Hawaii to teach a marriage seminar. And his wife didn't want to talk to him at all. And through the day, he kept sending little test balloons over, and she would just shoot them down, you know. And then late in the day, there was a group with, there was a, a, a bunch with a group that got engaged, and they came up and said, hey, we got engaged, come down, let's go to the ice cream shop. So they went down to the ice cream shop, and they went up, and the engaged couple got ice cream. And the lady that was waving on them says, well, congratulations on your engagement. Your ice cream is on the house today, and I'm going to give you some advice. And they said, well, and at about that time, Gary was up there. He's trying to pay for the ice cream. She says, I'm going to give you some advice. I watched this guy on television, and he sold us a set of tapes on marriage, and his name is Gary Smalley, and you guys should buy this. And Gary Smalley turned around and looked at me and says, I had nothing to do with this. I don't even know this lady. And the, and the couple says, that's Gary Smalley right there. And she looks and she says, Oh, she was so shocked. She came around, and she started hugging him. He said it made a big embarrassing scene. And then he walked over by his wife, and his wife hugged him and said, you really ought to get a set of those tapes and watch them <laughs> yourself. <laughs> which, which, if you're a pastor, happens every once in a while. And uh, so, so, but you, you make a list of things that are good, about the person that you want to show honor to. And now that's just, that, that, then the third step is so important because, you know, the, the Bible says that we're not to be just hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. And that is you need to execute. So not only do we, we list these qualities, but then we express this honor consistently and creatively. Think of creative and consistent and repeated ways that you express this honor. I, I have, uh, you know, maybe a couple of examples. That, that one that I've done that maybe would help you and, and it, or something like it for the children, I made up my mind that I wanted to show honor to the children from their tiniest, you know, when they were little. I'm sure you did too. And so one of the ways that I decided to do that is that Lois likes to sleep in a little bit. Of course, she always was like, had a little baby repeatedly, right? So she was like nursing a baby or taking care of the baby. So when the birthday would come along, I would take the, the, the child on their birthday out for breakfast. And that would, became a tradition. But here's what I would do. It would always be, where do you want to eat? Or usually it was like McDonald's because it's the only place we could afford. But we would go out and maybe a little bit later on we had a little bit more income and they could pick a, a, a little bit nicer place. And um, it would just be, we would go out, I would turn off my phone and we would just talk. 
but during the meal, there was going to be a moment. And that moment was going to be a time when I would more or less say to them, I want to talk to you seriously right now. There's something I want to tell you. And then they would stop after the food was eaten. They would look at me. And like I might say, Hope, I want you to know how much I love you. I love you and your mom and I. We so wanted you to come into our world. And we hoped you would be a girl, and you were. And you made us so happy when we had you. We often lay in bed at night, and we think we don't know what we would do without you. You're just such a gift to us. We love you so very much. And they always like, oh, <laughs> kind of uncomfortable. And here's what's cool, though. We got Snapchat. We got Instagram. Guess what the kids do with their kids on their birthday? They take them out for breakfast. This is a tradition that is being passed down. And they fill their little emotional tanks with intimate talk and show them honor and love. I know you probably have a way of doing that. This is one of the ways to do that. Yesterday, I'm, I learned that with my mom and dad, Mother's Day, Father's Day are Sundays, and we're all busy in ministry, so I don't, don't always see them. So I always take, like, I, what I've been doing lately, and my folks live pretty close, they live about 30 minutes away, is I drive to see my mom, or I drive to see my dad on the eve of Mother's Day or Father's Day. And it's really kind of cute because we just talk about whatever, and I try to give him a gift. Yesterday, I, brought my, I bought my dad a, a um, barren fig common book, a, a, like a moleskin journal, empty. And I said, if you would, I would be honored if you would fill this in with advice for me. And uh, so I gave my dad a blank book and um, gave him a job to do on Father's Day. But then when we got, you know, all done talking about whatever we wanted to talk about, then I said, Dad, before I leave, there's something I want to tell you. And then I said something like, you're just, you've just been such a good dad to me. You're so kind, so loving, and so patient. You taught me things. I think about every day how much I love you, how grateful I am for you. I thank God for you. So you, maybe words aren't a big thing to you or the people you're trying to honor. Maybe for you, like my dad was a server and not as much of a talker, but a servant guy. And I remember that my grandparents needed a roof on their farmhouse and my dad took his very few weeks of vacation, like two weeks of vacation. He took a week of vacation, 10 days of vacation, and he took me with him and we went to the farm and my dad put the roof on the house. His way of showing honor. So uh, there are a lot of creative ways to do that. But there, maybe, the, maybe these three steps would be helpful to you. Make up your mind that you're going to honor somebody. Make a list of good things about them. And then express that regularly and express it creatively. Now here's the problem with all of this. We're not that good at it because we're sinful and we're selfish. Have you figured this out? As a matter of fact, yes, last week I was talking about love, and, I, and, the, and it got to be that I kind of emphasized the love of a husband to his wife. One of our ladies walked up to me. Well, we're all friends here. I'll just tell you who it was. 
and I'll apologize to the layman's later, but Lynn Layman walked up to me and her husband was standing there and she said, see this guy right here? He does that. He loves me like that. And they've been married over 60 years. How many years? 60. 66 years. Now you can clap for somebody. That's right. So, okay. You have to show me honor by forgiving me for using you as an illustration without permission. Um, but I just thought, oh my goodness, what a bill. Honor to you. I mean, if your wife says to the pastor, this guy does that, I don't think she's lying about it. She's a nice lady. She's telling the truth. It's like, wow. Now, that's not what my wife would say. My wife would say, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know what she would say, but he would probably say he needs to try harder. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It, she would say he needs, to, he needs to keep trying. I'm not really so sure he needs to keep trying. Of course, that's part of the way she's wired. Um, you know, that's kind of the psychology of that. You uh, can figure that out on your own. Here's what I'm saying. How many of you have fallen short of showing love and honor to people? Yeah, everybody. But there is one who hasn't. There is one who doesn't. There's one who always show honor. And this is the good news. The one who without fail always showed honor and never sinned ever. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has promised that if we would humble ourselves and admit our sin in this era of failing to show love and honor to people, that he would, in his own, with his own righteousness, put honor upon us. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he would both prompt us and empower us continuously to obey him in showing honor to other people. This is what the Bible says about him. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, and by taking the form of a servant, being in the, born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What do we do here when we know that honor is important, but we fail over and over again? What do we do? We look to Jesus and to the power of the Holy Spirit to prompt us and to empower us to show honor. So what should have happened today is you should have thought, wow, honor is important. Oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, but what? But wait, I've tried to do that before, and I fail. Oh, but wait, there is one who consistently shows honor. I must be connected with him. I must know him as my Savior, have the Holy Spirit living in me, learn to obey his promptings. And dads, can I just say this to you? I want to show you honor today. I hope you felt honored today. Gentlemen that are in the service today, I know you are not perfect. I am not perfect. That's one of the first thing my dad said yesterday. When I tried to honor him, he says, Ken, you're too good to me. You know, I've made mistakes. I've failed. I said, I know all about that, Dad. And, you know, we, we have realistic expectations of you, man. We know you are not perfect. And we know that even sometimes there are shameful things that you have done. We know that is true. We're not here to say we're perfect men. We're here to say we're God's men. We're Jesus' men. We're humble men. I want to honor you. I want to encourage you. I know that in our culture, men are often the butt of humor. I know that men are often just like fair game on men to say all kinds of bad things or to assign to every man the bad things that some men have done. But I want you to know that, that there, uh, there, there is a God in heaven 
who sees when a man, with the help of his wife and others, when a man goes off to work every day and he pays the rent every month and he pays the utility bills every month and he pays the car payment every month and he pays the insurance every month and he goes to the soccer games and they are boring and he does all of that stuff that dads do that they would really maybe rather not do. They could imagine themselves hunting or fishing or in a library, you know, in a leather chair in a library with a, with a stout cup of coffee like, you know, a civilized man would do. They can imagine what they might want to do with their time. And so often that's not what they do. They get in their car and they go back to work and then they fight the traffic home and then they take care of the honeydew list and they really don't get appreciated for that. And that isn't right. I just want to say to you men of Bethel, we honor you. We thank you. And you know what? I'll tell you what. It's more powerful what you do than you think. My, my dad, when I was a boy, he wanted us to love God. He wanted us to serve God. He wanted us to have some culture. He wanted us to see America. He wanted us to appreciate good music. He wanted us to have a bit of history and culture. But we were just common people. And one year, I remember that he decided that he would weave all of those desires together and he would take us on a vacation that would contribute to all these things. And my dad was going to be the amateur historian. As we drove through places, he would say, you know, please stop punching your sister. You know, we're in the foothills of the Allegheny Mountains. You're probably never going to be here again. I want to explain to you the things that happened here, you know. But we went to a conference. It was a church conference. The, at the time, we were in a group called the General Association of Regular Baptists, otherwise humorously referred to as the Grand Army of Rebellious Baptists. It was one of those groups. And my, my dad and my mom thought it'd be great for us to go to this Bible conference, this Baptist conference. But because we didn't have a lot of money, my, my dad thought it might be a good idea for us to camp out. So you've got to imagine that back in the day, you wore a suit. In our cases, my mother made polyester double-knit suits for all of the boys in the family, matching suits, and she made ties, and she labored hard on that. And I want you to imagine this little family going off, and here are all these people that are camping out, and then there's this family that goes in their tent at night, and then in the morning they come out, and they have Schofield reference Bibles under their arm, and they have polyester double-knit suits, and they have ties, the whole group. And they walk over, and they get in the car, and they go off all day to this conference. And they come home at night and they have a little time in a swimming pool and they have a little time, you know, having some fun. And one, one day I remember that we left for the conference and my dad says, wow, it looks a little bit like it might rain today. And it rained all day long. And when we got back from the conference, our tent had collapsed. It was the last time we ever went camping as a family, but the tent had collapsed and there was just this pool of water in the tent. And everything that we had was wet we were in our, you know, Christian outfits, our Christian suits and everything. And I remember that my dad was really discouraged about that. And I'm sure that being a dad, my dad laid in the tent, the wet tent that night, and he felt like a real failure. That he didn't have more money to put us up in a nice place. But here's what I remember. I remember that the evening cleared, and we asked dad, could we go to the pool? And he said Yes. And I remember I learned to swim that night. I remember that Robert Sumner was one of the preachers at the conference. I remember that when I went to the book table and I was interested in one of the books, my dad bought me a book by Robert Sumner. I remember the music, the powerful Christian music that the choir sang. You know what, when my, if, my dad, if I said to my dad today, hey dad, you know, you might have felt like you were a failure. You were not a failure. You were a success. 
Gentlemen, I want to encourage you today. God put something on your heart to love your wife, to love your kids. I know that you've made mistakes. All of us have made mistakes. The Bible, Jesus went to the cross because he knew that we would make mistakes. Jesus died on the cross for our sin to cover our mistakes. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be the men that we want to be. I'd like you to stand with me while we close in prayer. Please stand. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much today for this Father's Day. We, we do appreciate honor and being loved on and having some attention. We admit it. It's true. We like that. Lord, um, but today I pray that for all of us, men and women and children alike, that you would bring us to the knowledge that we can't do what we must do without you, without Christ saving us, without the Spirit empowering us. And so I pray as we go today that we would go in humble dependence upon you. I pray that you would give us grace and help and remind us to show honor to those that you have shown honor to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself.